Welcome in, folks. This is episode five of Rams Edge. I'm your host, Jake Ellenbogen. Um, waiting on some people to get in here. Let's see if we can get it uh, up a little bit. But today we are going to be discussing on episode five of Rams Edge, uh, brought to you by the call-in app. Um, we are going to be talking about the way-too-early 53-man roster projection. I understand it is way too early. I made it very clear that I know it's way too early. But I think there is some value here as far as, you know, just kind of it's a good exercise uh, at this point in the season. Um, You know, these rookies have not even been to, you know, there's not going to be a rookie minicamp for those of you who don't know. They're going to go right into just OTAs. And so uh, when we had Daniel Hardy on the the downtown Rams uh, show uh, for the interview, he told us it's the 13th is when. Uh, they'll be at OTAs. So since that's the case, it's a little bit different this year. They won the Super Bowl. They changed the way they did it all for that. But I think it's a good exercise to kind of, you know, dive into the 53-man roster and, you know, what it could potentially uh, be. And so I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's let's dive right into it. We're going to start off, go position by position. I'll give you my 53. I'll give you who I cut. And after we do that, I'll have the 50, uh, the 15 player practice squad. There's only 14, but the Rams do have an exemption for Maximilian Percher, uh, who is the, uh, the foreign, uh, exchange player. So, um, we'll, we'll include that at the end. So let's dive right into it. Rams 53. We start off at quarterback. I'm going to discuss this because. At quarterback, I could see them going and actually surprising some people. I could see them, you know, basically deciding, look, we like John Wolford. We like Bryce Perkins. Bryce Perkins has more upside. We weren't really overly impressed with John Wolford when we threw him into games last year. And we want to keep that extra roster spot. So we're going to keep two quarterbacks. I could totally see them doing that. I'm not saying they will. But I could totally see them doing that. Would not be shocked in the slightest if they went with two quarterbacks. I wouldn't be shocked in the slightest if they went with Stafford and Perkins or Stafford and Wolford. But either way, I have them going three. Now, I could be wrong. Again, this is way too early. But I think when you look at the quarterback room, obviously you have Matthew Stafford, who I think is a top-tier quarterback, just won the Super Bowl. He's not going anywhere. They just signed him to a deal. But then you look at John Wolford. You know, a guy that made his mark in the AAF playing for the Arizona Hotshots. The Rams signed him. He made the team, uh, rather made the practice squad, made the team, and then, you know, has just kind of been hard to get rid of. He didn't even play preseason last year. That's how much they valued him. So now they have him. They have Bryce Perkins. I have them keeping three here. Um, I wouldn't rule out them going into the USFL rosters. And after the USFL season concludes, uh, they have about six or seven weeks left. After the USFL season concludes, I won't be surprised that they do grab a guy from the USFL and give him a shot. You know, have him play up against Perkins and push Perkins or have him, you know, test John Wolford. But I'm keeping three here, all three that are currently on the roster. I have the Rams adding to the the 53-man roster. Matthew Stafford, John Wolford, and Bryce Perkins with the hope that, you know, with Wolford in his probably his last year with the Rams, Bryce Perkins takes that number two mantle from him. We move on running back here, and there are some cuts because, well, 
there's not only three running backs, like there's only three quarterbacks on the roster. You actually have a bunch of running backs. You have Cam Akers, you have Daryl Henderson, you have Kyron Williams, who they just had in the fifth round. You have Jake Funk, you had Xavier Jones, you had Raymond Collette. But here's the thing, okay? When you look at this running back room, they could totally go with three. They're going to go with four here. Cam Akers and Henderson, they have injury concerns. Jake Funk's torn his ACL twice. Kyron Williams is a draft pick that I'm very high on. So those guys are going to make the roster, I think. But then you look at Xavier Jones, Raymond Calais. Could they possibly sneak on the roster? I wouldn't be surprised if Xavier Jones makes it because the connection and the familiarity with the running back coach, Raymond, uh, not Raymond Samples, Rashad Samples, excuse me, the familiarity with the new running back coach, Rashad Samples, going back to college, there's a chance Xavier Jones could make the roster. I'm going to say he doesn't, though. I'm going to say they keep four here, making their total at seven on the roster. Keep in mind, the number one thing is to stay at 53. It is not higher than 53. On game days, you can take two guys off the practice squad and elevate them, but you can only have 53 on the roster. So we have seven so far. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Kyron. I'm going to take Hendo. Acres and Funk on the 53. Moving on to the receiver position, which could be a little weird. Uh, the Rams, I think the way they're going to get by this is they're going to take what, who I believe is 100% going to play wide receiver for them in Jacob Harris. I think they're going to uh, basically have him as a tight end. That's what I think. I think that's how they get kind of over that. I think they're going to have him listed as a tight end. So when you do the position numbers, that's going to be the argument they make. But when you look at the receiver, I have them keeping six receivers on paper. Cooper Cup, obviously. Allen Robinson, Van Jefferson, Tutu Atwell, Brandon Powell, and Ben Skoranek. No, that's not me keeping off Jacob Harris. I have him as a tight end, even though he'll play a receiver. I know a little confusing, but I have those guys at receiver. So you're keeping six at receiver. I don't think that's a bad number, at least in my opinion. So you keep six at receiver, and you end up cutting J.J. Koski, who I do think could be back on the practice squad. I don't know if he will, but I could see him getting picked up by another team. Uh, there'd be interest either way. You have Lance McCutcheon, who is very intriguing, uh, coming out of Montana State, the same college that they drafted Daniel Hardy from. I'm going to say it, it's way too crowded. There's a you know the potential to get Odell Beckham Jr. to make even more crowded uh, back. So that's very important there. So I don't think Lance McCutcheon has really much of a shot because of the potential of everyone around him. But I think he's good enough where, man, if you could stash this guy on the practice squad, he can go up and high point that football. He, he gives you an above-the-rim type of guy coming off the practice squad. And if he can play special teams, he'll be hard to cut. But at the end of the day, I just don't see a lot of spots. So I have him getting cut and Koski, as well as Landon Akers, uh, who comes out of Iowa State last year as a UDFA as well. Um, this is somebody that played well in preseason and pushed his way onto the practice squad his first year. So, uh, you know, obviously shout out to him. I think he'll be back on for year two, but I don't have him making the 53-man roster, as well as Warren Jackson uh, from Colorado State. I'm just not very confident that they're going to keep seven receivers unless it's an OBJ 
And they wouldn't have to keep seven anyway because OBJ won't be available until November if they do bring him back. So I have them cutting four receivers, J.J. Koski, Lance McCutcheon, Landon Akers, and Warren Jackson. We move on to the tight end spot. You got Tyler Higby, you got Kendall Blanton, you got Bryson Hopkins, like I mentioned, Jacob Harris on paper, Kyle Markway, Jamal Pettigrew, and Roger Carter. I think you guys know where I'm going here. I'm going to keep everybody except for Kyle Markway, Jamal Pettigrew, and Roger Carter. I think Jamal Pettigrew and Roger Carter could be back on the practice squad, as well as Markway. I think any of those three you could probably bring back. Uh, Markway was on, he signed a future seal with the Rams. Pettigrew was a kind of a late UDFA signing throughout this process. And Roger Carter is kind of the hybrid fullback tight end. Uh, Pettigrew is the really athletic tight end that has a lot of interesting athletic potential. Whereas Roger Carter is more of kind of that poor man's Chigakonkwo, uh, Kyle Juszczyk type of player. So those guys obviously still have, you know, they have a role in the NFL if you can get them going. But I, I don't see those three making the Rams 53. This is a Super Bowl reigning Super Bowl champion roster. It's going to be hard to make this team, so I have them cutting those three. We move on the out uh, the offensive line here. And obviously the offensive line it can be, you know, a little it could be it could be a little weird, right? Um but you know, I think when when you look at it, I think uh you know, you're going to have no boom. You're going to have him starting obviously. Uh you know, nope, boom. You have Edwards, Allen, Bruss, and Havenstein. Then you obviously, you have guys like Bobby Evans, Chandler Brewer, Jeremiah Cologne, Adrian Ely, Max Percher. Um, Percher will be on the practice squad. He is a, um, a you know, a foreign exchange uh, player, if you will. But then you also have Alaric uh, Jackson, who, who started a couple games last year for the Rams. AJR Curie, Coleman Shelton, and Jack Snyder, the UDFA from this year. So uh, should be interesting in that regard. Uh, Looking at the offensive line, I think they're going to keep nine. I think that's the magic number because they do have a lot of cross-training. They have the familiarity factor. So I think they're going to keep nine. I don't think they're going to go near 11. If they do go 10, uh, then maybe that's probably just to, to just keep Bobby Evans on the roster but I don't have Bobby Evans making this roster. I have Joseph Nopum, Edwards, Allen, Bruss, and Havenstein. Then I have Alaric Jackson, AJR Curie, Coleman Shelton, and Jack Snyder. So that is that. Is that. Uh, by the way, any point you can call in, um, and I will bring you on. So just letting you guys know, you can call in at any time. I just go through, you know, my plan for the show, and you guys can call in whenever. Um, so, yeah, I'm, you know, looking at the offensive line, I think keeping Snyder might be a little bit of a bold move there. You know, the UDFA out of San Jose, but I'm a big fan of him, uh, at least as a UDFA. So I think they could keep him. They didn't really add anybody in UDFA this year, so that was interesting. So I think there's a, definitely a place for Snyder. You get some depth there. Arcuri gives you tackle depth, um, really just a tackle. Shelton gives you guard center depth. 
Snyder, I think, gives you guard uh, center depth. Alaric Jackson probably gives you tackle guard, as well as Bruss, as well as Noboom, as well as Edwards. Allen gives you guard center. Havenstein gives you guard tackle. In a pinch, he could play guard. So because of that, because of the cross-training there, I feel pretty good with with who they have. Um, So the the offensive line that we cut, again, Bobby Evans, Chandler Brewer, Jeremiah Colon, Adrian Ely, and Max Percher, who will just go to the practice squad. Moving on the defensive line, Aaron Donald, Sean Robinson, Greg Gaines, you have Bobby Brown the third, Marquise Copeland, Michael Hoyt, Jonah Williams, Dion Noville, Elijah Garcia, and Kier Thomas. I have the Rams keeping uh, five here at this position and cutting five. The five I have them keeping, Aaron Donald, Sean Robinson, Greg Gaines, and then, you know, it gets a little bit interesting. Obviously, I can't imagine them cutting Bobby Brown. There's your fourth. And the fifth, I have them keeping Marquise Copeland, who actually had an interception in the playoffs, cutting Michael Hoyt, who I think they would hope to get back on the practice squad, as well as Jonah Williams. Both guys are on the 53 last year. Dion Noville, who could be on the practice squad. Elijah Garcia could out of Rice. And Keir Thomas from Florida State. Outside linebacker. You have Leonard Floyd, Justin Hollins, Terrell Lewis, Chris Garrett, Daniel Hardy, Ernest Brown, Anthony Hines III, Andre Hughes-Murray, and Benton Whitley. Out of all those guys, I have them keeping five. It's, again, tough roster to make. Leonard Floyd, Justin Hollins, Terrell Lewis, Chris Garrett, and Daniel Hardy are the guys I have them keeping. I have them cutting Ernest Brown. I have them cutting Anthony Hines. Andre Hughes-Murray, and Benton Whitley. Moving on to the inside linebacker, very simple here. I have Bobby Wagner, Ernest Jones, and I have, uh, of course, Traven Howard, and I have Jake Hummel. Uh, Only cutting Christian Roseboom because I think this is the tough call, but Hummel does pretty much everything Roseboom does, and I think Hummel offers some ability actually on defense. So I like Hummel more, and for that reason, I think he's going to surprise people and make the roster. He's one of the more, and I've talked about this on the show before, he's one of those, you know, not top tier, but higher tier UDFAs that they got, and they really only got one. You could argue Snyder, but he's probably one of the best UDFAs, and they got him at linebacker, so that tells me that he really does have a chance. They only have five inside linebackers on the roster, so that does say a lot. He definitely has a shot there. So I have them sticking with four and cutting Christian Roseboom. Then you move over to corner. Ramsey, you know, Jalen Ramsey, Troy Hill, Jacoby Durant, Robert Rochelle, and David Long. I actually have them cutting Darion Kendrick because I think he'll be easy to get back onto the practice squad due to his off-the-field concerns. I think a lot of teams around the league will look at it as he didn't work out, and I think that'll be an opportunity for the Rams to bring him back. Also, Tyler Hall could be back on the practice squad. I have the Rams cutting him as well as Grant Haley, two guys that were on the Super Bowl roster. um, Caesar Dancy Williams could also be a practice squad candidate as well as Deron Lowe and TJ Carter, but I do have them cutting those guys. Two more positions, and then if you guys want to call in, I will be taking calls on your opinions on the, uh, you know, basically the, you know, your thoughts on the roster, right? So, as we move into it, 
We have the safety uh, position, and we have five here. We have Nick Scott, Jordan Fuller, Terrell Burgess, Taylor Rapp, and Quinton Lake. I have them cutting Russ Yeast, Jake Gervais, uh, Daniel Isom, and J. Ron McVeigh, who I think all four of those guys have practice squad potential. Russ Yeast, I think, is talented enough to make a 53, but the Rams 53, I don't know if they're going to keep six safeties. So for that reason, I do have them cutting him. And then at special teams, you have Matt Gay, Riley Dixon, and uh, Matt Orzech, or Orzek at uh, you know special teams for the long snapper. And I have them cutting Cameron Dicker, who is the kicker slash punter that the Rams just signed. And to wrap that up, I have a 15-player practice squad projected. Running back Xavier Jones, wide receiver Lance McCutcheon, wide receiver Landon Akers, tight end Jamal Pettigrew, tight end Roger Carter, offensive lineman Chandler Brewer and Max Percher, defensive line Michael Hoyt and Jonah Williams, outside linebacker Ernest Brown the fourth, three cornerbacks, Darion Kendrick, Grant Haley, and Tyler Hall, and two safeties, Russ Yeast and Daniel Isom. So that is my way too early 53-man roster projections. So with that said, I want to know if anyone wants to call in. You're more than welcome to. <clears throat> there should be a call-in button on the bottom of your screen when you are in the room that I am talking in. So be sure to hit that. I don't know what it looks like on your side, but there should be a call-in button. Um, cool. There you are, Ricky. All right. All right, welcome to the Rams Edge, Ricky. Whenever you're ready. You are on mute right now, just so you know. Oh, you can hear me now, can't you? How's it going? All right, I'm a long-time listener. You're on YouTube about the past two years, I believe. I appreciate that. Thank you for your support. Uh, all I had to say was, you know, about Wolford versus Bryce Perkins. Mm-hmm. I believe Bryce is going to knock out Wolford. He, Wolford gave us the option when Jarrett was here with his legs. Besides that, the arm talent, it didn't impress me. But Bryce, is, it does impress me. And he has the addition of being able to run, which I don't think with, with Wolford – I believe it dummies down our offense some, when, you know, if, Lord, don't let it happen, Stafford goes down. And I believe Bryson would make us go back to, like, 75% of the offense versus Wolford bringing, like, 40% of the offense. That's that's my take on it. So I, I believe Bryson will knock him out, and I believe they'll bring in somebody to – you know, fill in for Bryce's spot on third string or practice squad QB. 
Yeah, it's certainly interesting. And, you know, I, I definitely think it's a possibility because when I was going through and doing the, you know, the 53-man roster, I just kind of sat there for a second, you know, right off the bat because you start with quarterback and you go down and you're like, you know, I'm not 100% convinced that they're keeping all three. And if they do keep Wolford, I feel like it's really just this year. But I will say this. Um, I think you, you bring up a really good point and that the Rams just weren't really privy to that mobility, right? You know, they really hadn't been around that. They hadn't seen that. Um, you know, Jared Goff, I guess, every now and then could take off and run, but that's not mobility. Uh, you know, mobility is consistently, you know, not just taking off and running, but keeping the play alive and, you know, working off script, things like that. So I totally know what you mean. Um, I will say, in in fair defense to, to Wolford, they never really gave him a chance to run the offense because he was coming in in garbage time, pretty much handing the ball off. Uh, he had a couple passes, but, you know, one where he's throwing, you know, he gets hit while he's throwing against the Giants and it's a pick. I'm not going to rat on him for that. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, rip him a new one for that because um, I was at the game and, and he got hit, like, directly while he was throwing. And then that was pretty much the end of him throwing. Uh, they pretty much just handed it off. So, you know, it's tough because I don't think Wolford's bad. Um, <clears throat> I think Wolford is good enough that, you know, he could probably lead a team to the playoffs if he had everything around him. But I think Perkins has more upside is, is pretty much – and I think that's kind of what you're saying, right, Ricky? You're saying that he has more upside. He's, he's definitely worth the roster spot. And, yeah. you know, he's somebody that – you don't build around, but you're somebody that you can build up and put into that position where you feel comfortable. He's he's kind of like a Tyler Huntley in, in Baltimore where you have that running ability, you know, good passer, and God forbid your guy goes down and you feel like, all right, maybe this guy can run the offense at 75%. If so, that might be enough to beat most teams in the league with what we have. That That's totally correct right there. I totally agree with you. Wolford needs to be the quarterback whenever your first Matthew Stafford goes down and then you left with Perkins, you bring Wolford into that just-in-case spot. Uh, it's just the way I feel about him. I mean, I, I wasn't impressed with him throughout every game we got to see him. When we played Seattle in the playoffs and he came in for Jared Goff, it was his mobility that got them by surprise and, you know, kept made it where we could move the ball down there before he got hurt. You know, sorry that happened to him. But our offense is more around uh, standing in the pocket QB versus a mobile one. No, I agree with you. Um, you know, and what I find really intriguing is when I'm watching guys like Kyle Sloter, and, you know, Case Cookis and Brian Scott and, uh, you know, Jordan Talamu. Like, the, the USFL, I don't know if you've been following, but it's got some good quarterback play. So I'm always wondering because this is a team that's already kind of delved into, you know, that, that market, right, where they got Wolford from the AAF, which was, you know, three spring leagues ago. And they've shown that they are not afraid to go and get a quarterback that is kind of, you know, maybe not right in the NFL, maybe not the the most normal way of finding talent, but 
you know, I'm, I'm watching, I mean, I know Sloter, you know, we're, we're friends, but I'm, I'm watching him with the breakers, you know, leading him three and one playing with all sorts of injuries, playing through them, throwing almost 400 yards today, you know, game winning touchdown pass. I'm watching even Lewis Perez, you know, I want to ask you, Ricky, um, cause I do see Aaron also wants to call in. So I want to give him uh, time as well, but I want to ask you, Ricky, uh, just kind of, you know, to wrap this up. Um, what are your thoughts on bringing in a USFL type of quarterback like that? Uh, I haven't even got to watch that league play at all. Um, I, I just haven't had time. I've been going to bed and going to work and whatnot, but yeah, I will, ch- I will check them out to see what their quarterbacks are like and see, see if there's one worth us getting. And I, I'll let you go real quick, but I want to say like, I don't want to look far off in the future, but I do got my eye on the next Manning kid. And I'm like, I want to go after him when he starts to come out. But I always know in the back of my head, there's one of these NFL teams that's going to screw it up that, you know, does the, uh, <laughs> how you going, how you, how do they say it when they like forfeit the season to get the number one pick? Oh, they tank. Yeah. They tank it. And I know somebody's going to tank it before we would oh, yeah. like put up a bunch of do the less, less need movement after picks and try to get up to the number one spot and get them. We'll, we'll probably get screwed out of that, but I'll let you go and get to the next caller. No, I appreciate you, Ricky, for calling in. Appreciate your support, especially here in, in the channel um, and of me. And uh, it was fun talking with you. I absolutely agree with you, by the way. That That's, you know, I, I guess we're spoiled in that regard, but I'm always looking ahead. And uh, I do have my eyes on Arch Manning for sure. Uh, that is the hope. That is the hope. I, I would definitely trade a bunch of picks to go and get him if, if that became available to, you know, be the guy successor after Stafford. Oh, okay, I'm gonna let you go. But uh, did you see where they're talking about letting the um, one of the defensive backs go from the Giants? Um, I don't, I, I I forgot his name. I think his his last name starts with a B, like Bouchard. Oh, Bradbury. Like oh, Bradbury. Is he a safety or a corner? He's a corner, and I just feel like the Rams they addressed it so much and so well in the draft that I just can't see it. You know, with the Troy Hill trade and Jacoby Durant, I just cannot see them adding him. Okay, well, have a good night, but I'll, I'll keep listening. Absolutely, you too. All right, thanks, bud. Absolutely. All right, so at any point, guys, just, uh, you know, feel free to, to call in, um, you know, if, if you want to give a call. If you want to talk a little bit about the Rams, you know, I already wrapped up my way too early 53-man roster projection segment. So if anyone has, has any questions on that, like Ricky and I were just talking about the quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, if anyone has any other questions, uh, you know, feel free to call in. If not, I'll just, uh, you know, continue rolling. We typically do this for, you know, 30 to an hour. So I'll probably hit the 45-minute mark and call it a night. We do it three times a week in case you guys don't know. Also, be sure to subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. And if you do ever miss any of these, you can find them right on the call-in app or you can find them wherever you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify. Um, it's now a podcast that has an RSS feed and uh, is updated, uh, you know, pretty much after the show. So, you know, pretty awesome stuff there. But, yeah, just, you know, looking at it, you know, we talked about the quarterbacks, Ricky and I, just now. And, uh, you know, I, I feel really good about where the Rams are at to be able to have a 
conversation like that, where we're talking about Bryce Perkins versus John Wolford is exciting to me, you know, because it does say that, look, the Rams have developed quarterbacks to be good enough to be backups. And I do think there's some something good about that. You know, you like to see that. You don't want to be a team that has to go out and get, you know, Joe Flacco because you don't know how to develop talent behind your starter. And I think it's a little underrated, too. I don't think it's appreciated enough. I don't think it's talked about enough because, you know, essentially when you you look at it, I mean, not everybody knows how to develop talent. And this is not just the quarterback position, folks. You look at the running back position, the Rams know how to develop talent. I mean, obviously, we know Thomas Brown's doing a good job. Um, you know, I'm excited for Rashad Samples, the the new running backs coach. But, you know, I just think when you, you go through, you know, all the names, you know, and, and guys like, I mean, you, you could just start off with Malcolm Brown. You know, 2015 UDFA out of Texas. You know, this is a guy that, you know, in my opinion, um, I mean, well, not really my opinion, 2009, I believe, or 2010, he was like the top running back in the country coming out of uh, high school. He goes to Texas. His career doesn't really go the way you're, you want it to go. Um, and I do believe at some point I could be wrong, but I think he lost the job to Dante Foreman uh, down the road or, or something like that. But either way, my point is you get this guy, 2015 UDFA, and you know he comes in, makes the roster, and, you know, his last year in Horns, this guy is, is one of the starters, you know, at running back. You know, they're 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 splitting time, you know, splitting carries. You, you look at Daryl Henderson, you know, Cam Akers, um, Jake Funk, I'm sure, is going to be developed. But maybe not as a running back, more as a special teamer. But either way, you know, I just think they do a really nice job of developing these guys, you know. Wide receiver, I mean, they developed Cooper Cup. You could say what you will about Cooper Cup, but, and obviously a lot, you know, you have to give a lot of credit to the player because you can't just sit here and say the player's only good because of the, the staff, the coaching staff, and they're only good because of the organization. That's not true. There is a meet-me-in-the-middle type of thing here, and if you're a player that can't meet an organization in the middle, you're going to hold that team back. You're going to hold yourself back. And so I do think it's a little give and take, and, um, you know, I think that's important to to realize. Uh, now, with Cup, it was a little interesting because he tore his ACL and he retaught himself how to how to run. And I think that actually added to his level of explosion. You know, this is more of an explosive player uh, with the ball in his hands when he's going downfield and, and so forth. So um, I definitely think that that's kind of the interesting thing there, um, you know, with Cup is that he is kind of the rare story where he got faster after a torn ACL. Uh, he got better after the torn ACL. Um, and there is talk about that nowadays because the way medicine is, you can strengthen the, uh, you know, the ligaments and do all sorts of weird stuff. I mean, even the late great Kobe Bryant was saying how everybody should get the German, uh, you know, that I don't know if you guys remember, but the knee operation in Germany, um, you know, the stem cell thing, he was saying everybody, every athlete should get that, um, you know, to strengthen the, the knee. And it just, it's it's very interesting how that whole thing worked out. But then there's not even the receivers. I mean, and you could argue, you know, Robert Woods, he was 24 when he came to the Rams, 25. You know, so 
he was still developed by the Rams. I mean, obviously it's it's him meeting them in the middle and, and putting in the work, but the Rams also developed him. So, you know, you see Van and, and you feel pretty good about Van Jefferson where he's going, especially in year two, coming away with an 800-yard season, uh, you know, being seventh in the league in yards per reception. Those are good signs uh, about a player and where they're going to go. So now, you know, the question remains, you know, where's Tutu Atwell going to go? Where's Jacob Harris going to go? And, and that is always, you know, an interesting thing to ask because anytime you go out and you get a second round pick, you're really, really expecting them to not only just be a starter, you're expecting them to be a key starter. Like, and, and that's the thing because rule of thumb, when you draft a guy in the first, he's supposed to be a cornerstone member of your franchise. Like, realistically speaking, a first-round pick should end up being a cornerstone piece to your franchise. I guess early first-round pick. Later first-round pick should be one of the best players on your team. Now, second-rounders can still be one of the best players on your team, but they, no doubt about it, should be starters, just like first-rounders. But first-rounders should obviously be a lot better than a starter. Second-rounders should be a pretty good starter, probably see the Pro Bowl. First-round players should probably see an all-pro if everything works out the way you want them to. Third-round prospects, they should just be starters. Like, obviously, they can be great. It's not saying that they can. I mean, Tom Brady was drafted in the sixth round, for crying out loud. But if you get a guy in the third round, you should just assume this guy's going to come in and day one start, or at least have the opportunity to be a day one starter if called upon. Fourth-rounder, then you start to look, okay, early fourth, some third and, and second rounders, sometimes they drop. Maybe you're getting a day one starter in the fourth round early, but like a late to middle, you're probably looking at a guy that's maybe a year or two away. Rule of thumb. Fifth round, you can still find guys like Kyron Williams in the fifth round and Zion McCollum in the fifth round who could potentially start if you had to start them. It's not to say that the fourth and fifth round are bona fide starters day one. But it is to say, I think when you get to, you know, I think round five is the cutoff where if you get a guy from round one to round five, at some point, I need to see that guy become a starter. Maybe I'm just higher on those picks, but I feel like round five is the cutoff where the guy better end up being a starter or is a bust pick. Now you look at round six. Round six and seven, those are upside. Those are guys you draft with great measurables, high ceiling, super young. You go out and you get a 20-year-old, like a younger guy that came out, maybe a redshirt sophomore. You go out and you get a guy that had really good ball production in college, maybe doesn't translate that well to the NFL, but you're taking a chance on the fact that the guy just produces. You go out and you get you know special teamers, guys that were just they played with their hair on fire on special teams. Those are the guys you target in the sixth and seventh round. That's why when the Rams got Quentin Lake, I was like, that makes sense. He's not an overly, you know, crazy athletic guy. But he's one of those guys that he plays with his hair on fire. He's got leadership qualities. And this is somebody that could eventually become that fifth round, fourth round starter. I think he's got that capability. And then Darion Kendrick, forgot to mention the sixth and seventh round. Also, you could start taking a chance on 
because it's not a huge chance. They're sixth and seventh round picks, and the Rams will have, I think, four sixth round picks next year. So a lot of, you know, a lot to work with there. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where you now have four sixth round picks. Maybe you're more keen to take a chance on a guy who might have some off the field issues, some maturity concerns, things like that. And, uh, you know, maybe even injury concerns. And that's like the sixth and seventh is when you target those guys. So, that, I mean, that's how I look at the draft. Other people may, you know, look at it differently. But, you know, I always felt like you better be a starter at some point in your career if you're, you know, first through fifth round pick. You know, and, and I think that's that's kind of how I look at it. But sixth round and seventh round, you could find starters, obviously. I mean, Nick Scott, Sebastian Joseph Day, Jordan Fuller, right off the bat, you, you name three Rams. But at the same time, you know, you could also find guys that bust. And it's like, is it really a bust if you got a guy in the sixth or seventh round and he didn't end up being that good? I don't think so. Because that is when you're taking chances. You're, whether you're taking a chance on a guy that maybe just is more of a college player than an NFL player, or you're taking a chance on the athletic profile, taking a chance on the fact that, okay, you know, this guy has a major off the field issues, but he is probably a second round talent when you look at the tape. That's when you do it, sixth and seventh round. So then, to segue into that, at pick 212, they get Darion Kendrick. That is exactly the type of player that I would be looking for. Because this is somebody that, as long as you yourself have gone out and you've checked the boxes, you've done the research, you've done the work, you've done all the internal discussions, you made sure everyone in the organization is comfortable, and on top of that, you, you call this coach, you talk to his coach. As long as you've done that legwork and you know those off-the-field issues don't concern you, go ahead and pick that player. Darion Kendrick has off-the-field issues. That doesn't mean he currently does. That means he has them on his resume. I think we need to normalize that. Let's normalize saying the guy has off-the-field issues on his resume. Doesn't necessarily mean yesterday the dude's a terrible person. And, you know, today he's still a terrible, like people change. Cam Newton stole a laptop at Florida. He transferred, went to Auburn. He changed his life. He's not the same guy that stole the laptop. I'm not saying he's a great guy for stealing a laptop, but you also have to realize these are college kids. Sometimes you got to give them a second chance. I think everyone deserves a second chance. Obviously, some things a little bit smaller than others, but, or bigger than others, but, you get my point. So when you're looking at Darion Kendrick and you're going through and you're like, okay, check the box. We like him. We trust him. We had him through our organization. We believe in you know his character. He's a great football player. He played at Georgia, was a key contributor to winning a national title. And you're like, okay, I'm going to spend a sixth round pick on a guy that's a winner, a guy that faced some adversity off the field and you know, maybe had some bad decisions. And, and let's be honest here, the decisions are concerning but he didn't shoot anybody with the gun he had. For those of you who don't know, he's found at 3 a.m. in a car, asleep with a gun in his hand. Like, that's concerning. But you know what is even more concerning? Him shooting somebody with it. And he did not do that. So that's one of those things where you, you dig more into the, the, you know, the thing. And yes, he gets dismissed from the Clemson program. But if he's dismissed from the Clemson program and goes from there to then all of a sudden he's playing day one at Georgia and he's starting on the best defense college football scene in maybe a decade or more, then, I mean, I'm sorry, but I don't mind the Rams doing that. 
another perfect observation, another perfect evaluation, another perfect way of using a seventh round draft pick or a late round draft pick for that matter, Daniel Hardy. Okay, he doesn't have a ton of production. He's got one year where he absolutely crushed it at Montana State, was an absolute freak. And then he went to his pro day and continued to look like an absolute freak. And that kind of gives you the hope like, okay, this guy has a lot of potential. This guy's athletic. He can be used for us. And, you know, you look at what Chris Shula's done and Thad Bogardis and guys like that on the defense. And you think, hmm, we have the right guys to mold this guy. So we have the right coaching. He's coachable. This is a win for us if he hits. And if he doesn't, it's the 235th pick of the draft. Like, what's the, what's the you know, harm in that? So I think that that's a big thing there. And then you look at Russ Easton. This is a guy that had ball production in college. You know, this is a guy that was a graduate transfer. So he's a little bit older. So now you're getting an older player. And, and maybe he fell because of that. But, you know, special teamer, ball production, played at Louisville. Played at uh, Kansas State, probably had his best year this past year. You get him in the sixth round, or you get him in the seventh round, excuse me. Like, you know, I, I don't think that's a bad move. And then you go out and you get AJR Curie, who's a project, who's more of a project, I think, than Daniel Hardy. So it just kind of goes to show you, you know, like there are different ways to evaluate picks and whatnot, but I think the Rams and I kind of align in that regard because. To me, a sixth and seventh round pick, yeah, you can go best player available, but it's also time to, when you have a guy high on your board and you don't want to, you know, have to hand fight other teams in UDFA, because keep in mind, UDFA is undrafted rookie free agency. The key words are free agency. There's bidding. There's bidding involved. Not everybody gets paid the same. So that's the thing. If if you're sitting there and you're like, well, we really like this guy. We think he might fall out of the draft and we can sign him. That's one thing. And if you know you're going to sign him, great. But that's not always the case. Teams will, I mean, teams have snagged guys before that another team was like, you know, in the middle of doing a deal with because they were so certain they weren't going to get drafted. And now all of a sudden, boom, they get drafted. You got to go after the guys that you you want, and I, I really, I it just kind of goes back to what I've been saying about the draft. I really like how they they manage their picks. I really like how they develop players. But the whole reason I even got into all that is because of the two two Atwell second round pick shouldn't be just good enough to make a roster. Shouldn't be just good enough to start. Second round pick should be a good starter. So I think two two Atwell at some point is going to give you that opportunity. And really, this guy has shown us, you know, when he's on the field and playing on the offensive side, he's good. He led the NFC in receptions, you know. But hey, guys, that's going to do it for another uh, week of the call-in exclusive Rams Edge show. I'm your host, Jake Ellenbogen. I appreciate you joining. Be sure to follow me at JK Bogan on Twitter and Instagram if you're into that. Also, be sure to check out my YouTube channel, Jake Allen Bogan YouTube channel. Uh, you can just look up Jake Allen Bogan. And I have a new video. I actually have a bunch of videos. But my other podcast, Downtown Rams uh, with Alexis Kraft, we just interviewed Rams uh, prospect and Rams now draft pick, Daniel Hardy. 
Um, so if you want to check that video out, it is on my channel, as well as a brand new video of Logan Bruss, about seven to eight film clips, or seven to eight film reviews, full games, uh, clipped into just his plays, highlighting him, and kind of going over it, and you know doing a deep dive on his film. So if you guys are interested in that, be sure to check out the YouTube channel. But that's going to do it for me. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Be sure to subscribe and uh, tell your friends about Ram's Edge. You guys can call in at any moment when we do these shows, keep in mind. So if you're on the Twitter and you like doing Twitter spaces, just keep in mind this is basically Twitter spaces. It's just my show. I host it weekly. I have three time slots on Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. And, you know, it's pretty open. So tell your friends. Be sure to spread the word. Be sure to tell them to subscribe. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And I'm going to head on out. So appreciate you guys again. I'm out of here. You guys enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Later.